This episode of Intelligent Medicine is brought to you by Healthy Aging, providing you with the unique energy support of Pure NT Factor. NT Factor is the only nutritional formula clinically proven to reduce fatigue, whatever the cause, whether it be age, illness, or just being run down. NT Factor from Nutritional Therapeutics repairs damaged cells and restores healthy bacteria in your digestive tract. Clinical trials have shown NT Factor reduces fatigue by almost half, and it even reverses some symptoms of aging. I've been taking NT Factor for years with a 45-day money-back guarantee of nothing to lose. To order, call 800-982-9158. That's 800-982-9158. Or go to ntfactor.com. That's ntfactor.com. Welcome back to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. It's part two of our weekly discussion where we field your questions. Questions at drhoffman.net is the destination for questions. I'm with Layla Mutin because, naturally enough, it's our weekly Q&A with Layla. So she's an integral part of this. So, uh, Layla, before we get to questions, yes. uh, you mentioned there was a question about iodized salt. Uh, I want to give people an update on our uh, Save Our Supplements campaign, mm. the, our SOS campaign. Um, so it's a little, trying to read what's happening in Washington on this issue is a little bit like reading a fever chart. Uh, we were in imminent danger of the passage of something called the MPL uh, bill, yeah. uh, which actually a rider to a necessary appropriation for continuing funding for the FDA. So it's, it's you've got to fund the FDA. I mean, it would be a catastrophe if they didn't fund mm. the FDA, so it's mandatory. But what they do <clears throat> is they say, well, let's hook on some other legislation, maybe a little more controversial than, you know, something that is going to be bipartisan. Like, I think both parties, and you know, I don't think it's like a Republican saying, don't fund the FDA, and the Democrats are saying, yeah, fund it. It's like pretty much a given they're going to fund the FDA. But yes. They wanted yeah. to hook on legislation that was going to require mandatory product listing, mm -hmm. which is onerous for the supplement companies, but also... Uh, and burdensome and may, you know, really, uh, because the margin on supplement sales isn't a great, may cause some small companies to go under or to sell to big pharmaceutical companies. Yeah. Uh, but also it may be a prelude to more supplement regulation because mm -hmm. it's kind of like, uh, you know, saying, okay, all you uh, aliens, just register mm -hmm. the local police station. We're not going to round you up yet, but uh, just we want you to register. And it's like, no. Uh, we don't want to go down that path. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of an analogy for mandatory product listing. Well, it looks like uh, mandatory product listing was on again, off again, on and on again, off again. And in its latest iteration, we're getting towards the end of the month. There has to be an appropriation by the end of the month. If not, FDA is going to have to furlough or fire employees. Oh, boy. And okay. uh, then it's going to be, you know, really chaotic and catastrophic. So they'll pass it. And uh, they managed to, and I think due in large part to the outcry, because we told people to go to drhoffman.com slash A&H. And, &H, and mm -hmm. uh, at the Alliance for Natural Health, that's what A&H stands for, A&H-USA.org, uh, uh, they uh, have conducted a pretty successful campaign to alert legislators that this is not innocuous, that this mm -hmm. is actually has implications. And that, you know, if you want to lose, uh, you know, a certain percentage of your supporters, uh, who are avid supplement takers, uh, just put on, go on record that you're for mandatory product listing. I yeah. think some, some legislators backed off. Yeah. Not, you know, fanatics like Dick Durbin from Illinois, oh. 
who, you know, is a perennial guy. He's to always be reelected because, I mean, he's one of these guys who is we like, need term limits. Okay. you know, 18th term, you know, ridiculous person. Yeah. But, well, he's a senator, so less terms. But mm. um, so uh, it looks like MPL will not pass on September 30th. But mm. the forces who are in favor of MPL are going to regroup mm-hmm. and they're going to want to pass separate legislation that which is probably the right way to do it because it should be standalone legislation, not hooked on to something else, piggybacked onto something which has got to pass. Yeah. That's a sneaky way of getting it through. So uh, we have to remain vigilant. And if you go to drhoffman.com slash A&H, uh, you'll find out more about it. And uh, you can take action. You can, uh, if you haven't already or you want to do it again, you can alert your Congress person to yes. uh, make them aware of your displeasure with that particular initiative. Yes, because we must save our supplements. Yes, They're an integral part of our well-being. Indeed. Your diet and your lifestyle. Yeah, mm. it's sort of like Charlton Heston once said about guns. It's like, from my cold, dead hand That's right. will you pry my <laughs> supplement <laughs> bottle. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> we have an email all the way from Beersheba, Israel. Wow, cool. From Irwin. What is the lowdown on iodized salt? Do we really need it? See, I prefer kosher salt myself, which is not iodized. There's something about the quality of kosher salt for food. Yes. Uh, It it sprinkles better. It it catches on better. It lays better. Chefs even prefer kosher salt as the only salt really to use. There's There's nothing else in there. It's salt. Yeah, because when you look at a, a container of salt, Unless it's a good form of sea salt, Himalayan, anything else, you'll see anti caking well, agents, anti caking agents, aluminosilates, and how do they get dextrose into salt? Why are we consuming <laughs> this stuff? But iodine is a thing. Yeah, you know, you get iodine from seafood, anything seafood, anything coming out of the sea, including seaweed, your seaweed salad when you're at Japanese right. or anything like but that. But not from freshwater. No, not from freshwater. That's why people in the Great the Lakes region had a lot of uh, goiters yes, uh, and hypothyroidism because mm-hmm. they got their fish, the, the little fish they ate from yeah. the Great Lakes where there's there's no salt in the yeah. water, which contains yes. iodine. Now, there's small amounts of iodine in other foods like onion, maybe in dairy, but dairy usually because of the cleaning, uh, the cleaning uh, uh, solution that they use contain... A little bit of iodine yes. in it, so that's where you would get when that they from. Cl- they cleanse the udders of the cows sometimes yes. to prevent infection, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. you're going to get a little bit. Uh, so the thing about a lot of salts that are like really great looking and tasting salts is they don't have any iodine. Right. Like Himalayan salt is beautiful. It's beautiful. It's yeah. so, so aesthetic looking. Yeah. It's, it's I'm imagining sea salt will contain pink. some natural iodine in it. Or naturally occurring. But sea salt doesn't contain that much iodine. It, it doesn't. It doesn't. So yeah. you you kind of want to fortify. You do want to fortify. I actually use both. I'll use kosher salt if I find that I've not used the regular old iodized salt in a while. I'll use some. Mm-hmm. But I'm also a frequenter. At least once every two weeks, I like to get some sashimi. And right. there's always sea sea uh, seaweed in my salad. And all of that seaweed. Kind. There seaweed you go. Seaweed in my salad. Put when some I'm nori on Japanese. your salad or yes, something like yes, that. Yes, yes, yeah. something like that. I mean, for some people, seaweed is a is a bridge too far. Uh, it seems icky. It seems like you know you yeah. go to the beach and it's the stuff that gets caught in your toes. You know, right? But it seaweed is really delicious and nutritious. It is. 
And, uh, yeah. you know, it, it's, uh, I used to eat a ton of it when I was uh, macrobiotic, you know, because mm. it was like a side dish. Hijiki and nori and, you know, all these Steady things. supply of iodine. Right. Yeah. Very, very good. But you'll get some now. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's interesting. Um, uh, kids really like nori sheets. So, for like a little snack for kids. Yes. You know, as you give them the, and it's kind of like a little it's crispy. Crunch. It's got a crunch. A little salt. And it's salty. And yeah. you just give them a nori sheet and they go to town. So, they that's a way to get, get a little, a little iodine, iodine in your yeah. Very nice. Yep. Besides using iodized salt. So there you have it, Erwin. I mean, some people believe, like Guy Abraham, that you know we're all suffering from major iodine deficiencies. Uh, we pushed back a little bit on that assertion with Dr. Alan Gaby, yes. who believes that that's overdone, and that uh, Dr. David Brownstein is also a big fan of uh, high dose iodine. Yes. And there's a lot of controversy about how much iodine to take. Yeah. I think iodine can be helpful for uh, breast problems, fibrocystic breast yeah. problems. It's breast good for cancer immunity. prevention. It's good it's for certainly, immunity. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think <clears throat> having adequate iodine is important for immunity. But it's not indicated in Hashimoto's taking excess iodine. Right, it will suppress it's the not, thyroid. It, it could suppress, suppress the thyroid. Yeah. Right, right. Okay. Okay. We've got, oh, this is a very interesting question I wrote about in the newsletter. From Jill, I think we're all aware that excess sodium, speaking of salt, excess sodium intake can cause water retention, right? However, I guess I wasn't fully aware of the relationship between a high-salt diet and fructose production. The hypothesis that a high-salt diet may induce obesity by generating endogenous fructose. Can you discuss... Did I hear this all wrong? Jill, you kind of did, but we're going to explain. Do I need to put down the salt shaker? I know you've discussed salt intake in the past, and I know there's a balance, but particularly, is salt itself helping us gain weight? Now, we've all had a little bit of water retention. Maybe you sprinkled a little too much salt on your food or you had something quite salty or you've indulged in Chinese food and you wonder why you're a little puffy the next day or your shoes are maybe a little tight or something or your rings are a little tight. That's, that's really what we're talking about. But a high-salt diet doesn't produce, it doesn't generate endogenous fructose. What happens is... A situation or a condition or in the context of insulin resistance in metabolic syndrome, it causes us to retain more sodium, therefore pulling on more water weight. We're actually holding more water. This is the way. It doesn't in by itself cause obesity. You could take enough salt that you will eventually cause diarrhea. Right. You know, you're just going to draw, it's going to run through you. You're going to draw a lot of water to your colon, it's going to run through you. So there is a, you can't take that much salt in mm-hmm. without consequence. But water retention in and of itself... If you have good kidneys. Exactly, if you have good kidneys. Kidney. And that was right. going to be the caveat. Right. If you don't have good kidneys, you could be packing on a lot of water. Yeah. And yeah. That, that that is part of your overall weight. So what about the relationship with fructose? Because as you t- spoke, I, I Googled yeah. this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just you know did a little search on... Uh, search term salt increases fructose and what what they say is that well for one thing I mean if you eat a lot of salty food mm-hmm. you may crave some sweet food absolutely and you may want to eat more fruit yes or sugary beverages that are sweet kind of cleanse fructose. your palate right even a little bit so that's one simple mechanistic yeah. way where fructose might be increased and fructose there's also some suggestion that fructose plays a role in not only fatty liver but even in hypertension absolutely and the fructose with the fatty liver, absolutely, because of 
fructose metabolism doesn't demand any insulin. So fructose on its own can wreak this much kind of havoc, right? Right. And it can cause the hypertension because it's causing your body to retain more of the sodium itself. So, and fatty so, liver is a condition where often you will see. But, but he, this is yeah. interesting, you know, what, what, what does this person say? Go back to the original question. Go back to that, uh, however, I guess uh, the hypothesis that a high salt diet may induce obesity by generating endogenous So hang tight. I'm reading this article. It's very, mm. you know, wonky in hypertension, yeah. which is the, the journal of, that's related to high blood pressure study and kidney uh, metabolism and general metabolism. And there's a section in here which says that indeed salt increase increases endogenous fructose production. I, all right. Now, I've read that article and I think they really go down a rabbit hole with this oh, one okay, okay. because they're really getting into the biochemistry of the kidney Okay. to, to some degree. Yeah. And its ability to excrete or not to excrete, it really goes down the rabbit hole that way. And I believe, to some degree, they've overcomplicated an issue. Yeah. If there is fructose production, it's it can't be to any great extent. It's more. It's more what you in, take in. It's more what you, you take, take in, in. Yeah. More but, than anything. But this, what you said before, is interesting because it. Yeah. Fructose-induced insulin resistance. Yes. And subsequent sodium retention. Yes. Which is that it's not. It's, it's not the sodium that makes the fructose. Right. The fructose induced the insulin resistance, meaning you took in a lot of sugar, right. so you became insulin right. resistant. So, now that's causing you to retain the sodium. Right. That's causing the high blood pressure. Okay. So, so this is a hemodynamic for this, this paradox. Which yeah. They say everybody over the age of 40 should be restricting their salt to less than a half a gram of salt per day. Now, that's not true. No. Because overall, that is not the case. Yeah. However, so for example, I'm. Uh, pushing 70. I'll be 70 next month. Uh, and I'm very active and I sweat like crazy mm -hmm. when I work out. I'm losing a lot of sodium. And I salt my food. And Good. I take in a fair... I eat pickles. I eat, Good. A, I eat Drink a little bit of the brine when you need it too. Right. Mm -hmm. Which actually helps with cramps. Yes. Um, however, uh, there's the majority of people who are 70, 70-year-old males, and to a large extent females, are insulin resistant. Sure. And so with them, they may retain sodium more. Yes. Thus driving up their blood pressure. Yes. Uh, so it, it's 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 different strokes mm -hmm. for different folks when mm -hmm. it comes to sodium intake. Oftentimes we see high blood pressure and all that's being addressed is a high blood pressure. But then we look at their hemoglobin A1C, which is a marker of their blood sugar, and it's something like 5.8, 5.9. When that's we boring. start to when we start to lower the blood sugar. Voila, the hypertension starts to go away yeah, yeah. because you don't have all this insulin being the master and commander, causing your body to retain more sodium, therefore more water, increasing your your blood volume and the high blood pressure. That's right. how it's all kind of working. Salt is really the middleman. Yeah. It's really the middleman more culprit. than anything. It's not the culprit. The fructose yeah. causing the insulin resistance is what we're talking okay. about. It's not that your body is generating fructose. Okay. And this is in my article. In, in the oh, newsletter. Okay. Yeah. yeah. When did you write that? So I wrote that a couple weeks ago. Oh, okay. It came out a couple weeks so ago. So let's let's highlight that article mm -hmm. and we're explain how people can find it. Uh, go to drhoffman.com 
and click on read. It's your pull-down menu, mm -hmm. and you will see the past newsletter. So go back a couple of... Go back Go back a few weeks. So it's worth scrolling yeah. down if you're not already a yeah. subscriber to the newsletter. Yeah. Where you get and you'll in find your something titled, Jill's title, Is Salt Making Me Fat? Oh. Is Salt Causing Me to Gain Weight? Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Okay, so this is like... Answering you her just question. reviewed this question. Yeah, because I depth. thought it was such a great question. Yeah, no, I, yeah. It, I and I think your answer is really spot on. So great, great. Thank I think we addressed this subject adequately. Um, next question, please. We have from Janice. I recently had a chest CT scan. You know, I shiver every time I, I hear a CT scan. All right. The report mentioned that my thyroid glands are atrophic or atrophic. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? Okay, atrophic atrophy means that it's shrunken down and ah. you know, they're 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 small and okay. they may be inactive. But I'm 68 years old. I've been taking Armour Thyroid for 20 years. Okay, well, the part of it here that's I'll tell you this is what happens if you take exogenous outside thyroid, it gives a signal to your pituitary via something called TSH mm -hmm. to stop your thyroid from producing its own endogenous thyroid. Mm. So what'll happen is you can shrink the thyroid literally by taking outside thyroid. Now this actually is something that is used in some of our patients who have had thyroid cancer. They have the thyroid removed or part of the thyroid that is dangerous, yeah. but usually it's a complete thyroidectomy. And then they go on high dose thyroid medication. And what that's designed to do is designed to suppress any thyroid cells that may have gotten away and keep them from proliferating, which could be a return, uh -huh. re return of cancer. So they actually uh -huh. use that to uh, suppress uh, cancer recurrence. Now, in this case, the suggestion is really mostly when you do thyroid uh, supplementation, you want Goldilocks thyroid supplementation. Yes. You don't want so much that you completely turn off your body's own production yeah. of thyroid hormone. Now, how can you tell? Because the thyroid hormone that you take gives you some T4 and maybe some T3, uh, and you're going to see those levels be identical in someone who's not taking thyroid medication yeah. versus someone who's taking... But you look at the TSH... And if the TSH is very low, it means your, your thyroid is, is not producing any thyroid because it doesn't need to. Yeah. And it also means that it could be shrinking. Okay. It, I it, thought it, if the TSH was very low, it's because your T4, T3 were too high. Well, Because thyroid is stimulating. It, it means maybe, you, maybe you're taking too much oh, outside thyroid. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. I mean, it's either okay. if you're t it, in hyperthyroidism, your TSH is low because your own thyroid is overproducing. Mm -hmm. In hypothyroidism, your TSH can be low because you're taking too much outside thyroid. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, you know, I mean, is it consequential for this person? This person has been taking outside thyroid. Hopefully, they're doing well. Uh, yeah. And it's, it just means that the thyroid doesn't need to do anything. It just gave up the ghost and it's shrinking. Mm. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I've never heard that, but you you were saying yuck about CT scans. You know, CT scans. Everything's a CT scan. Yeah, everything's a CT scan. You know, it, that's a lot of radiation. It is a lot because what a CT scan is, it's about yeah, it's on a magnitude of double digits more than an X-ray. What it is is it's it's a computerized summation 
of a lot of x-rays taken simultaneously. And the computer uh, generates uh, multiple images which can be read in three dimensions. Yeah. And so you need more more radiation to achieve a lot of what are called slices. Yes. And then you are exposed to more radiation. Mm. So I don't like lots and lots of CT scans. Unfortunately, some people have conditions for which they have to monitor, like you know, for the recurrence of cancer or something like that. Yeah. They need a, more CT scans, but you know, all we try to minimize can, that. Yeah. We try to minimize that. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Janice, thank you for your question. Okay. Well, we've got one from Danny. This will be the last one. This will be the last one. A Dr. Chris Calipe, an osteopathic physician, has been administering stem cell therapy for years. You've probably heard. I've listened to him on, on, yep. on, on radio on New York stuff. Radio. Mm-hmm. Yes. And his website contains a lot of videos of patients who swear by the results. Uh, the doctor states there are thousands of high-level studies supporting stem cell treatment from bone marrow. I would love to hear your thoughts my, on my, stem cell. My thought, I mean, I've actually written about this uh, a couple of times uh, mm-hmm. over the years. And my thoughts on it are that there's great potential there. But at the current uh, state, uh, it is unclear if, they're, if the benefits are real. Uh, and, you know, testimonials, unfortunately, are sort of the lowest order yeah. of scientific evidence. True. Uh, and you've you got to believe that there's a ton of stem cell research because yeah. there, we really want to get at regenerative medicine. Mm-hmm. You know, taking a failing, whatever, brain, heart, liver, you know, and regenerate it and get it to yes. take these uh, pluripotent cells, cells that have the potential to develop into mature uh, organ cells yeah. uh, and regenerate aging or damaged organs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it'd be great if we could regenerate retinas. It'd be great if we could regenerate... Rotator cuff. Well, there, that is actually employed a lot. And I think the evidence is Because it's so local, right? I think it, the evidence is, is stronger that stem cells can be helpful there. But that's even controversial huh. because it's so hard, you know, when you study joint function to separate placebo from uh, from uh, uh, you know reality, and mm-hmm. you know when you get a procedure, it's like oh yeah, my shoulder feels better. I and besides, I just dropped six thousand bucks, so I better feel better. I've got an incentive that to feel alo- better. Exactly. <laughs> it's like some we kind of joke like the more you charge, the the more Absolutely. the placebo effect. You know, so uh, better better charge a lot. Yeah. So so it, I think that. Uh, what they what they need to do is they need to come up with better delivery systems so it goes where you want it to go. Because, like, let's say somebody's got Alzheimer's disease. So how do we know that something that's given to you in your arm is going to go to your brain? Right. What if it uh, differentiates and becomes a cancer somewhere? Well, that's... Wasn't that the big controversy? Th- there that- is some controversy about, you know, what about these cells that are very... have a, could They can go in a lot of directions. Do they necessarily go to in constructive directions, or could they proliferate in a harmful way? Yeah. Um, I think there's a strong signal that this is, you know, creating weird cancers in some people. There's some studies that suggest that that may have occurred in some cases. Yeah. Um, one of the things that they just uh, came up with is kind of interesting. Is uh, it's a rejuvenative therapy? It's not stem cells. It's taking plasma from placentas. Oh yeah. And giving it to aged people now. Being asked after you give birth, you want to save the placenta for later? Oh, sure, yeah. Well, it's 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 not. Uh, it, it's I think you can take plasma from 
any old placenta. Oh, I see. Not even necessarily yours. Okay. But this is this. What Th- this was in the case for like maybe a childhood leukemia should that right. Right. happen that well, they have you know a what placenta that's actually for bone. That that's sort of like cloning. It's like when you you know when your cocker spaniel dies, can you clone the you know replacement? I want Dolly back. I miss Dolly. <laughs> I think that was the first sheep that was cloned, right? Right. Dolly? You know so. Uh, so this is, uh, I think they're working on it. Yeah. Uh, I think some doctors are on the bleeding edge of this, mm-hmm. uh, like Dr. Calipe. Yeah. And, you know, you pays your money and you takes your chances. Now, it's, I, it's actually highly regulated now, and I think they're cracking down on some uh, aggressive claims about stem cells. The mm-hmm. FDA wants to suppress this because... Well, depends on who you listen to. Like the FDA is a villain. They don't want to yeah. get behind innovative therapies. On the other hand, the FDA doesn't want uh, people to succumb to uh, therapies that aren't ready for prime time. Yeah. And, you know, I think that it'll, it'll come. They will develop ways of using stem cells for regenerative purposes. But, man, they've been working on it for a long time. And yeah. they haven't come up with the, the real breakthroughs yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of our patients had some eye damage due to, uh, he had a very severe infection and he had some stem cells placed in the back of his uh, eye and I think he had uh, good results. Fantastic. Uh, on the other hand, Wonderful. on the other hand, uh, there's some people who suffered blindness from, uh, stem cells that were administered in a haphazard way. Oh and, no. You know, that some, some bad stuff can happen yeah. if it's not done. Uh, you, you often hope for the paraplegic or quadriplegic who can walk again. Yeah, regenerate the spinal cord. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. believe me, there's a, there's a great impetus for this. Absolutely. And if they haven't announced it and haven't come up with, this is ready for general use in prime time, then I would be a little skeptical about the so-called pioneers who are getting ahead of yeah. the company's that are investing billions of dollars in research mm-hmm. that have, still haven't nailed it. Because mm-hmm. there, there is an incentive to do this. Sure. So yeah. that's my take on it. Okay. Uh, I don't do it. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it, I think at this point, if I had like a really bum shoulder or knee or something like that, uh, I might try stem cells. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But would you try it first or after you've exhausted everything else? Well, I would, yeah, as a last resort. But, yeah. you know, I actually had a knee problem and it was just a matter of simple surgery, arthroscopic surgery. Mm-hmm. which was a marvelous fix. And, uh, you know, I go running and I go, my knee's hurting, but it's the other knee. <laughs> you know, that's a good sign. I go, my knee's hurting, but oh, that's good. It's my other knee. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. All right. Don't develop the same problem with that knee now. Okay. No, I'm, 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 I'm way scaling my mileage down, okay. you know. So more, more in the bike. Up, up the glucose. More in the bike, great. more in the pool, more in, you know, like uh, you know, weight-bearing exercise in the gym. There you go. Yeah, because the marathon days are over, so over, I think. Okay. And I think those long-distance running events are overrated, for, especially for people over a certain age. Okay. If you can do it, yeah. God bless you. I mean... Uh, but it's it's the rare person over the age of sixty five who can uh, run long distances without doing some irreparable damage to their body. Mm, yeah, that's a lot of wear and tear. Spine, hips, feet, knees, ankles. Yeah. Um, the long distance you ones, name it. right? You name yeah. it. All right, that's all the time we have. So yes. uh, thanks very much for joining us. And don't forget to send your questions to questions at drhoffman.net. Or record an audio question at 877-726-8255. You have multiple ways to get through to us. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman. 
And thanks, Layla, for joining us today. Thank you. And this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. Until next week. This is Layla Mutin, RD. I see patients regularly, along with Dr. Hoffman. If you require a nutrition consult with me but live out of town, there's no need to travel to New York City. I have telephone consultations with clients from all over the country. Please visit drhoffman.com for more information. And to set up an appointment, call 212-779-1744. That's 212-779-1744. I look forward to being a collaborator in your health care.